Welcome to Versatile Strategy, a Marvel Crisis Protocol podcast. On this podcast, we hope to offer a unique perspective on roster creation, tournament and league reviews for the rosters we create, and reviews of upcoming characters. I'm Nick. And I'm John. And on this episode, we're going to be creating rosters for use on our local month-long four-game league. That's right, Nick. But first, let's go over some new news from Atomic Mass Games. This week's going to be Black Swan and Supergiant. Yeah, we got uh, Supergiant actually on Monday of this week. That was yesterday, the 23rd, and we got uh, Black Swan last week. Uh, And these are some pretty interesting characters for Black Order. Uh, Which one do you want to talk about first, John? I will run us through Black Swan, and then you can run us through Supergiant. Black Swan, with an alter ego of, you guessed it, Black Swan, is a four-threat character with a physical defense of four, a energy defense of four and a mystic defense of three, six health, size two, all for four threat. Let's go through her attacks real quick. She has a five die range two strike, which is a builder, cost zero, gain power equal to damage dealt, and she has a wild trigger on their push. Size four or less before damage is dealt, pushed away short. It's nice to see that before damage. You don't always see that, so that's uh, interesting. Let's move on to her next attack. This one's going to cost her one power. It's an energy attack. It's five dice, range three, called I-Beam. After this attack is resolved, the character gains incinerate. No kind of condition on there, no damage, no trigger, just auto-incinerate. And it does have a wild trigger on there, Pierce. Change one of the defending characters, hits crits or wilds, to a blank. And her big spender is going to cost her four power, eight dice, range two, and it's called Everything Dies. This one has multiple triggers on it, the first one being a wild throw. After this attack resolved, the, car- the target character is thrown short. No size on that one, so that's going to be interesting to see. She also has a hit trigger called follow-up. After this attack is resolved, this character may make an I-beam attack without paying the power cost. The additional I-beam attack must target the original character, and it ignores range and line of sight. Those are some awesome powers, but to get a better idea of when we're going to be using them, let's run through her superpowers real quick. She has one we've seen before. It's going to cost you two power. It's charge. Let's her make a move, followed by an attack action. You can only do that once per turn, like most other characters. Then she has a superpower that costs X. It's reactive, and it's called Midnight Field. When this character is defending, it may spend any number of power to use a superpower during the modify opponent's dice step of the attack. For each power spent to use a superpower, this character may change one wild in the attack roll to a blank. Last superpower is going to cost you one. It's reactive as well. It's called Telepathic Suggestion. When this character is attacking, it can use this superpower during the modify opponent's dice step of the attack. And if it does, you may reroll one of the opposing defense dice. She basically has the old Oscorp weaponry as a reactive superpower. A couple of eight, she has flight and gem bearer power. Holy cow, is that a lot of character, Nick? Yeah, she's great. I think she's a really good control piece. She kind of reminds me of Medusa pre-nerf, uh, and then with the power gem, it's going to be interesting to see like if more people are taking her with the gem or without the gem. For me, if I'm playing her, I think I'm going to take her with the gem. Uh, the opportunity to charge into everything dies on turn two if you haven't. Uh, net lost any power and just getting three actions for the cost of one is just uh, too good to pass up i think yeah holy cow um looking and we're talking about gem or no gem this is one of the few characters that 
I'm really having a hard time deciding. Generally, when you look at characters with gems, it's like, yeah, I mean, have you ever seen someone play Corvus without the reality gem, right? It's just stapled to the character. And this one, while the power gem turns on so much stuff, she could also, she's also quite a good character without it. So it'll be interesting to see. I think for me, I'm feeling her in Black Order. I think I want her a four threat. It gives you a little flexibility to flex up and down. If someone drops 15 on you, maybe you drop Corvus and play her proximal and 8-point Thanos. Or if you have the ability to play at 17, maybe you're a Black Order player that isn't going to play a point down anymore, and you can play Corvus, Black Swan, and Thanos. I think out of affiliation, I'll probably be taking the gem on her a lot. Just, I don't know if in affiliation, if she offers a five threat slot as consistent as Corvus is. And obviously if she has the gem, you can't play 21 points yet. Right. So, right. Yeah. So, so hear me out on this, right. Talking about 15, uh, drop Thanos and play space maw with black swan at four and Corvus at five at 15. Let's throw a little bit of speculation in there. As of today, we have not seen what the first of the Black Order Tactics card is yet. So when we're talking in affiliation, it's just based on what the old Black Order was. But you might have something. You might be uh, unlocking the key right there, Nick. Uh, where do you where do you see her in affiliation and where do you see her out of affiliation? Uh, yeah. So in affiliation, I think I think that's probably where I want her um, as at a five threat, you know, Yes, Corvus with the reality is really good, and he kills people better than just about anybody in the game. I don't necessarily think Black Swan is going to be as killy, but that's not to say that she can't mess some people up. I mean, she has an unlimited size throw on her spender that th- throws short. She can throw Dormammu, she can throw Hulk, she can throw a Juggernaut. Uh, her strike is average. Um, but it does have the size for push before damage, which is kind of nice. Uh, I-beam for one power, range three, five dice, with the auto incinerates pretty good. And it has a pierce, which is kind of interesting. Um, but for me, again, with the power gem, I think not only enabling the turn two charge into everything dies, if you have her on six power going into turn two, she's going to use that midnight field a lot. She's going to be a lot tankier than people think. You know, thinking back to the old days of Modok, when he was the big thing at five threat and just shutting off wilds how many characters now have wilds as triggers on their attacks um and it's just more and more like you see it on her she has two wilds three wilds across her three attacks too um midnight field is i think what you're going to be needing a lot of power on this character for uh four power for everything dies is good but you know midnight field i think is where this character is really going to shine out of affiliation i'm not sure i mean everyone's good under steve avengers so maybe there um i think she'd be interesting in something like guardians of the galaxy but i don't really know that four threat slot is kind of weird in guardians like gamora is very good but you don't see a lot of people playing ronin uh and that's someone else who can take the power gem and i i'm taking black swan with the power gem over ronin with the power gem any day of the week uh and then at five threat in guardians she's got to compete with angela as well um and angela is very good obviously uh ghost rider is a character that sees a lot of splash in guardians so it'll be interesting to see where she kind of fits in the meta um she's definitely a lot of people have uh, compared her to rogue uh and i think that's an apt comparison as well yeah, she has the rogue, the rogue vibes for sure. I think something that's kind of cool is her defensive tech is amazing, right? It's mini Modoc being able to turn those mm-hmm. wilds off. And it certainly is a sad, a sad gambit when you can't get those wilds off. Or if you're going against Doc Ock, like you said, how many people 
have wild dependent things on their cards that she's just going to be, yeah, I'll pay the power to not only stop the damage, but stop the triggers. And it's really cool to see a Black Order character that doesn't have the invulnerability. She just has a different type of tech. I do have a, that is a little concerning. I don't think she'll be nearly as resilient as the current Black Order affiliation we have with them having the damage reduction, specifically Corvus Proxima Thanos and uh, Black Dwarf. But I'm really excited to get on the table. She seems like a really cool character, and I'm excited to see where she fits. Why don't we move on to Supergiant, her box mate, if you will. Do you want to run us through the card, Nick? Yeah, of course. Uh, so Supergiant, also known as Supergiant, uh, one physical defense, three energy defense, four mystic defense for this three-threat character. She is five health on both her healthy and injured side, size two, and a short move. Uh, her first attack uh, is Mental Vampire. Range 3, 5 dice Mystic. After this attack is resolved, this character gains 1 power. So it's a it's a gainer rather than a builder. Uh, and it has the Drain Life ability. After this attack is resolved, if it dealt damage, remove 1 damage from this character. I think that's the second character we've seen with this. Uh, I think Omega Red was the other one. Uh, her second attack is Devastate Intellect. Uh, range 2, 8 power and 8 dice. And this is quite the attack. Uh, if it would deal damage, it uh, does not, and the target character loses that much power instead. Okay, pretty basic. Let's move on from there. We've got a wild stun and a double wild stagger. Okay. But here's where things get really interesting. She has the special ability on this attack called Devour Mind. With a crit, wild, two hits, and two failures... After this attack is resolved, if the target character is healthy, they become dazed. If the target character is injured, they become KO'd. Uh, we'll come back to this attack in a minute, because this is really interesting, but let's do her superpowers real quick. Uh, her first active superpower is Submit. It is a power cost X. Uh, this character may spend up to 5 power to use this superpower. Choose a civilian token within X of this character, where X is the amount of power spent to use this superpower. And this character may interact with the chosen token without paying the power cost. Her first reactive superpower is Supreme Control. This is two power. When an allied character within range four of this character would be pushed, this character may use the superpower. The allied character is not pushed. Then she has three uh, innate superpowers. Uh, the first is Ethereal. If this character would suffer two or more damage from a physical attack or collision, it suffers one instead. Additionally, if this character suffers damage from a physical attack or collision, it drops all objective tokens it is holding. Uh, and her second uh, innate superpower is Omnipathy. Uh, when an enemy character within range 3 of this character rolls one or more crit in any roll after the effect is resolved, this character gains one power. And she is a bearer of the soul gem. Yeah, th this is a very interesting character as well. What do you think about super giant john holy cow so much going on here when you're reading the defense that we get to the one physical i'm like there's got to be some kind of tech right and then you get to it ethereal what a cool idea what a cool ability when we were talking about black swan and the different kind of defensive tech she has you get to super giant different defensive tech how cool and how crazy is that devour mind ability on the devastate intellect I know I'm going to be fishing for it just for fun, thinking of ways to get extra dice. You know, you're talking about get her injured, get a death decree on her, 
you're up to 12, bring Mordo, boost some more dice. I really want to go fishing for a Devour Mind. Yeah, I can just imagine the game where your little three-threat supergiant just eats Dormammu or eats uh, Hulk and just takes him off the table. Yeah, it's important to look at it that it doesn't it doesn't say anything about doing the damage, so it's important to keep field dressing in mind there. If you get it off on a Hulk, make sure that they're not in a position to field dress because if the daze is removed, there's no damage there and their Hulk is back. So there's some... Uh, some instances there we got to keep in mind but overall super cool ability i know i'm definitely gonna try to fish for it the drain life is super cool the ability to interact with objectives at any range you want if you have the power to pay for how cool is that i think they have that kind of they've built this character with that in balance in mind that she's only a short mover what do you think nick where do you see her in affiliation where do you see her out of affiliation yeah, so before we move on to that, I want to talk about the submit superpower again. Um, this is her range X interact. Uh, I think this is only the second character we've seen with something like this outside of Toad. I think he's the only other one that can interact outside of range 2 without the help of a tactics card. And she can go to 5. Holy She, she can go to 5. And I'm I'm going to I'm just going to throw this out there. You know, there's a certain stretchy superhero that's a leader of a certain family that we have not seen yet in this game, and I feel like this might be getting us ready for that. Ooh, um I like it. Uh, yeah, I I have been long 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 time uh thinking of of what Mr. Fantastic might look like in this game, and this submit just kind of makes me think that i may have been right on the money with something but i mean obviously that who knows when fantastic four are actually coming so this is all speculation but i mean it makes sense to me um i'm very excited for that day but we're not talking about that we're talking about super giant um in affiliation i still think you want her with the soul gem at four uh who else do you have at four black swan if you're not giving her the power gem or black dwarf which i don't think anybody is really playing right now um but the soul gem i think like if you're playing super giant you probably want to use Dev uh, devastate intellect at least once a game it's not nearly as reliable as something like the iron fist where he you know he gains two power a turn regularly um and that devour mind trigger is probably not going to come up very often but it's still at eight dice mystic attack with a double wild stagger and a, even a wild stun that's not bad in and of itself um she's awesome i i cannot wait to play this model <laughs> yeah how cool is it to see a character we've seen characters like voodoo and dr ock and others that can gain power when they roll specific die faces but i believe this is the first one that is going to generate power off their opponent's die rolls so if your opponent with that omnipathy if your opponent rolls a crit you're going to generate a power on this character so you may be able to get devastate intellect off a little bit more quickly or more often than you first expect i think that's a really cool piece of tech there yeah and one thing that came to mind immediately was a black order tactics card that not very many people play but you can tell amg had a little bit of future proofing going on and that card is called blood to spare Let's read through that real quick. It's a Black Order affiliated card, and it's a reactive card. And it reads, when a Black Order character would be dazed by an enemy effect, it may spend three power to play this card. The character immediately perform performs an attack before gaining the dazed token. Here's the key part here. If this attack results in the character removing damage, it is not dazed. And when we go back to Mental Vampire, she has Drain Life. So this card is going to allow Supergiant to not become dazed if she can deal some damage. 
Yeah, and at range three, like that's not bad. She's probably going to have three power on her most of the time. Um, something that really worries me with her, like as a spider foes player, with all of my like, especially as a, uh, somebody who really loves Mysterio, uh, Omnipathy and Soul Gem on Supergiant scare the crap out of me because his tricks and traps requires crits and wilds to do damage. So I'm paying for tricks and traps and she's getting a power. And then if I roll a wild on my four dice, she's getting a power as well. Um, this, this has me worried a little bit, <laughs> but uh, she's, she's awesome. She's such a unique design. Yeah, I'm excited. I kind of want to try her in Web Warriors with the ability to interact with the objectives, the ethereal. That's a really cool ability. She might be more resilient than people see at first. And at three threat, it's going to allow me to retain my ride roster, which is how I like to play Web Warriors. So I'm really excited to get these both on the table. It seems like a really cool pack, and I can't wait to pick it up. Yeah. Oh, you know, we we also we missed a super. We didn't really go deep on uh, Supreme Control. Um that's also pretty good like not being able to push uh, a character within range four of her if she just spends two power like how good is indomitable right now yeah it stops throws but like this keeps people on points too well with that bit of news and that kind of hype on those characters nick should we move into the main topic for today's episode yeah so john why don't you go ahead and start us off uh you are building inhumans is that correct yeah, so at the end of the last tournament we ran at our local shop, we allowed the community to vote on what I would play in our next event, which happened to be a four-game, four-week-long league. And they voted on Inhumans. So I'm going to be drafting an Inhumans list with you guys today. And then after Nick and I get through our league, we'll come back on here and talk about how the games went and give you a recap of it. So generally, well, the first thing I do when I create a roster is I sit down and I figure out what characters I'm going to play with. Kind of when people talk about a core, what they're going to play with, I like to get that first. And in the back of my mind, I'm keeping in the mind of tactics cards and crisis. So to do that, I look at the affiliation list. I take everyone I think I'm going to want out of there first. And then I'm able to decide what flex characters go with the gameplay and the style that I'm trying to achieve with the list. So I'm going to settle on a 10-man roster, and then I'm going to move to the tactics cards. And when I do that, I'm going to look at my affiliation tactics cards first. I'm going to see if there's any synergies, anything I want to do on there. Generally, thereafter that, I move to restricted, because obviously you're going to want two restricted cards, right? Why wouldn't you? After that, you know, if there's remaining slots, are there character-specific cards I want to take? And lastly, any kind of generic cards, ones that are just going to fill in the gaps. And then I always like to get crisis that fit the play style that I've created from there, keeping it in the back of my mind what I think this roster is going to be good at, what they're not going to be good at. So we get to the Inhumans. Let's talk about what characters we decided to play. Well, obviously we need Black Bolt, right? He's the leader. When you're looking at the affiliation list, I decided I wanted to bring Lockjaw. I've had a lot of past success with Lockjaw. I was challenged to play X-Force once upon a time, and he really unlocked Cable for me. It was a lot of fun to teleport Cable. You were able to catch a lot of people out letting you double tap and then body slide back to safety, which is not something Cable normally is able to do. So I'm at Black Bolt, I'm at Lockjaw. Medusa's a great four-thread all around. You see her splashed all the time. So if she's in affiliation, that's a no-brainer. Then we're going to take Quicksilver. He's a three-thread. I like playing Quicksilver. He's going to allow me to be mobile, grab objectives. He has a card for objectives. I think he's going to kind of fit where I'm setting here, right? I'm going kind of for like a mobile team. 
And we're going to bring Ronan. I need, we have Black Order in our meta locally quite a bit. And the ability to accuse, get those one, two shots off before he's KO'd. So Ronan's in the list. And we need one more Inhuman just to be comfortable. So I'm going to bring Ms. Marvel. And the reason I'm going to bring Ms. Marvel is because if I see herbs, I'm going to bring Miles. And that's going to allow me to have some herb play. So after that, we got all our Inhumans. Let's talk about what out-of-affiliation characters I'm going to bring. Well, I know, Nick, you talked about it when you were at Adepticon and someone played Terra Genesis against you. So I know I'm going to bring that card. And I think instead of just trying to build a attrition or control-focused roster, what if we do something cool and build a roster that tries to score as many ways as possible out of Crisis? And if we're going to do that, let's bring the characters that allow me to do that. So we're going to bring Killmonger. We're going to bring three-point Agent Widow. We're going to bring Punisher, and like I said before, Miles will take me to 10. So those are my 10 characters I think we're going to play with Nick. All right, so so you're you're kind of leaning into the Terra Genesis and score uh, victory points sort of outside of the cleanup phase game plan uh, that you can kind of unlock with a few different characters. Yeah, I think it's going to be fun. I think it will be unique. I think we'll be able to maybe have two, three, probably not four ways to score out of crisis and see if we can kind of get a quick lead and either finish the game off with those cards or maintain our lead with those cards. So let's take some tactics cards now. We have to have Terra Genesis. We know we're going to bring Usurp the Throne. That's how Killmonger is going to score some points out of a, out of a crisis. Blood Red and Personal is a card that the Punisher can take. Basically gives me the Black Order leadership for a round. So let's bring that card. All those score out of crisis, along with Agent Widow, who can interrogate off her card. I'm going to have four ways to score points out of crisis. And that seems kind of like a fun gimmick to try to run here for this four-week league. So we know that we have those three tactic cards locked in. Let's take a look at affiliated cards and other character-specific cards I can take. I'm going to take Adeline Rising. That's an Inhumans card. It is played by an injured Inhuman. And then all Inhumans gain power equal to the amount of injured Inhumans I have. So that might be a good card to bring if I get Black Bolt flipped, which is the goal, honestly, because I want to get some Whispers off, be able to power them up a little bit faster. Might catch some people out there. We have Quicksilver, so I mean, of course, we have Can I borrow that, right? And then let's take a better tomorrow. We have Miles. We have Ms. Marvel for a reason. That's going to be our herb play if I had to come against herbs. Restricted, I'm a big fan of med pack. I think I'm going to be a little wider than normal, and I'm going to be spread out, so I'm not looking at patch up. I don't think that I want to take field dressing in this instance when I'm going to have my characters so spread out. So let's bring med pack there. And I certainly want to bring brace. We also have a lot of Brotherhood players, so Magneto will be out and about. So two restricted cards, I'm going to bring med pack and brace. That is eight cards total. I got two spots left. I think we're going to bring advanced R&D. I know with the Inhuman leadership, you basically have mini R&D, but there might be a situation where I need to get more power on a character quicker than I can. So let's bring R&D, and then I'm going to bring Blind Obsession because I played against a local who played Blind Obsession with Rocket and had crazy success against me. So I think the mindset of Blind Obsession is going to be I'm going to pass power to Punisher to get his three-costed aimed shot off quicker than normal and i'm going to blind obsess that to get that into a big big attack that seems pretty good blind obsession on rocket is definitely a scary thing when you see it across the table (laughs) not many people can kill from range five uh, range five quite like rocket can 
And when you give them the extra dice, it's pretty scary. Yeah. So I think we got a general idea here what 10 characters we're going to bring, what tactics cards we're going to bring. For those of you that don't know Terra Genesis, it is a card that has to be played on an enemy carrying a civilian. So that's going to decide all three of my extracts because I want to be able to get Terra Genesis off. That's going to be kind of the goal here. So that is going to be on play Scrolls, Infiltrate World Leadership. I'm going to play Spider Infected, and we're going to play Mutant Extremist Target, the U.S. Senators. That way, if I can pick, I'm going to pick Extracts. I'm going to guarantee I can put Terra Genesis on the table. Interesting. So so if you get priority, you're taking Extracts? I think I am, because then I know I have a Tactics card that's going to allow me to score. I'm going to probably be playing Agent Widow which will let me get interrogate on the table. So I'm going to have two ways right off the bat to score points out of crisis. And I'm going to try to score quick and fast because I have a feeling this team is going to run out of gas in the later turns, five, six. Once I start losing characters, the pieces are going to crumble. So I think I, yeah, I pick extracts. But we still, we still need to have secures in case I don't win priority and the opponent sticks me with secures. So those of you who don't know, most Sea humans have immunity to poison. Well, guess what? Terrigen Clouds Sweep Over City puts poison out. It's 20 threat. It's spread out. That seems to be my game plan. So Terrigen is definitely going in the list. I'm going to bring Infinity Formula. So this team is based on pushing power around. Once per turn, an ally can spend a power and put a power on a friendly within three. So more power out there is more power I'm spreading around. So let's bring Infinity Formula. And lastly, we're going to play Mutant Madman, I think. If you look at my roster, I have quite a bit of physical defense, and I think I'll be able to flip those. So those are my secures. And we also have Quicksilver. He's, you know, he's great at just superpowering, flipping. You can flip your opponent's secures. They think they're, they've had safe, but with Lockjaw and Quicksilver, I think I'll get some positioning that will catch some people out. Yeah, it's it's interesting that you went with the the B shapes if you're going spread out. To me, I feel like you maybe want D shapes. Did you give any consideration to like maybe Riot Spark over Extremist 3.0, like D shape scenarios or uh, something like uh, Black Order Portals, uh, the 16 Threat D or Spider Portals? Yeah, I was kind of afraid of Spider Portals. I mean, I love playing it when I play Web Warriors because they're so maneuverable, but I was a little afraid here of getting out of position. So I think I kind of was steering away from spider portals. 16, I really just don't want to get Black Order. The That's fair. ability to play at 16. Um, you know, I do have I do have um, Senator, but that's 14. So while I don't really want to play low, I think it's not as disadvantaged as a Black Order player would be, or I would be against a 16-point enemy. So, And really the B shape was less about the shape of the crisis and more about the ability to get the power gain, I think, I'm going to be able to manipulate power better than my opponent, and the Infinity Formula allows me to get that power quicker. Okay. Anything you don't want to see? Yeah, I mean, I'm certainly worried about the super attrition teams. Um, If I get across a really aggressive Brotherhood player with Magneto, he certainly might be able to, once my brace is used, tear through my team pretty quickly, especially with his attacks. And then... Obviously, I, I'm still having a hard time with Black Order, so those are the two affiliations I'm most worried about seeing. But overall, I mean, this is kind of the first time we've really leaned into a gimmick of a list of scoring, so I'm just kind of excited to see how many points per game I can score out of Crisis. 
Yeah, that will definitely be interesting. I don't. I have not personally seen anything that kind of leverages something like that. Like obviously, um, the Panic Grips is banned now, uh, and that was something where you could score outside of the crisis uh, or outside of the cleanup phase uh, by paying the power. Um, the only real other way we have to score like extra now or like outside of the cleanup phase is deadly legacy virus and that i mean it it can be done sure but it's difficult uh so it'll be interesting to see how this will work for you yeah and it's kind of i'm just kind of in that dice chance right so terra genesis you roll dice and you do damage equal to the hit crits and wilds you roll so if i'm not rolling the amount of damage to daze or ko the enemy character then i'm not scoring i've wasted a tactic card slot on that Usurp the throne if you're not able to get the damage in with Killmonger. You've also played a tactics card. If you're not able to execute, there's another problem there. I do feel kind of safer route with Black Widow, Agent Widow, having the interrogate. And I'm going to be able to pass the power to her. So if I'm able to get some turn one dazes off, I can run her up and score a victory point via interrogate. So that's kind of it. There's a little bit of consistency there. But having to have her in the position is also going to be a challenge. I think the biggest challenge that we've done creating this roster, Nick, is that I don't have a two threat. So we're going to really have to be either playing a point down or making sure we're putting the points where they need to be. And with a five point leader, I'm looking at either playing four threes or three fours at 17, which is the majority of the crisis now. So I think I'm going to have a hard time in turn zero crafting what team I'm going to be putting on the table. Yeah. So if I'm looking at it, like if, I, if I'm playing Black Bolt and I'm playing in humans, if I'm looking for a two, I might actually consider Bob, because you can give him a bunch of power from Black Bolt's leadership to reload that rocket. But I mean, that might be too gimmicky in and of itself to work. Uh, I haven't played a whole lot of Bob, so I, I mean, I know he's not super relevant right now. Yeah, and I mean, the problem is every one of these characters was taken for a specific purpose, right? I could cut Ms. Marvel, but then you're cutting an affiliation character. And if I come against Herbs, I really want to try the A Better Tomorrow play. For those of you that don't know, that allows Ms. Marvel to transform at range 3 instead of range 1 if she's within range of Miles, and then Miles places on the far end of her transformed base. So if I'm able to get Miles to the Herb turn 1, he picks it up. Then if I pass power to them with the Inhuman Leadership, basically I can guarantee Miles scoring pretty quickly turn two off that transformation. So, I mean, those characters have to stay. Quicksilver has a great part. If I don't get my extracts and I need to steal an asset with, can I borrow that? Quicksilver has that ability. Ronin's my anti-Black Order tech. You know, Medusa, Black Bolt, Lockjaw, they have to stay. Agent Widow... Killmonger and Punisher are all part of the out of crisis scoring gimmick. So I think my 10 are pretty locked and I think I'm just going to have to roll the dice and see if I can come up with the good crisis point levels and play without it too, which honestly, this is the first time I've ever not had two threat my list. So we'll just stay tuned to how, what kind of challenges that presents. Yeah. I love the flavor of a better tomorrow. Like it's like Miles throws Kamala with his web. And then, like, she transforms mid-throw and, like, picks him up and carries him. It's just so cool. Yeah, and I've never played her, so I'm excited <laughs> to get her on the table. She didn't really have a spot in my web warrior, so when I was looking at the affiliated list of who I could bring in Inhumans and she was there, I'm like, well, you know, with Fury out now, I need a way to be able to either not allow my opponent to score the herb turn one or score my herb turn one. So, hey, you know what? Her and Miles give me a way to do it. Let's give it a try. And if it works really well or if I come up against it, 
then maybe I do need to find a spot for her in Web Warriors. Uh, something specific here, obviously a character that is just like screaming to be in this list is Black Cat. Uh, pass her power twice and you're stealing turn one. But again, I don't really feel like I have the room to cut. And with only a four-week league, I'm kind of just excited to see if I can make the scoring work. Yeah, yeah, definitely a, a more casual uh, sort of game plan we've gone with here, I think. Yeah, we just we just finished a 12-week league where I played Web Warriors. So, I mean, I've definitely got that ready for a palate cleanser of something different. I'm excited to try to get Black Bolt flipped, get off some whispers. Some of my favorite moments in this game are when you just go crazy on the dice rolls. And he has a 9-die energy beam on his injured side, so... And then he has the ability to boost that up to 11 die energy beam four. So I'm really excited to just try to get some big shots off with him. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how that works. Cool. I think we kind of have an idea where I'm going to be. Why don't you run us through what you're going to be playing? Nick, what affiliation are you going to pick since you were not voted for this round? So I'm back on my bullshit, as they say. Uh, I am on Spider-Foes again. I love Spider-Foes. I always have. I grew up watching Spider-Man. That was always my jam, you know. Just Spider-Foes are just the best villains. I don't care what anybody says. No, absolutely. And their models are also some of the coolest models that AMG's released. When you're looking at them all, Mysterio with the magic on his base, Lizard coming out of the thing, Craven jumping off the zoo sign. Goblin was the coolest model in that glider for so long. Like a majority Carnage, a majority of these models are so cool. So are you going to be doing anything different from your CS Spider-Foes Adepticon list? Yeah, so I am on pure Spider-Foes this time uh, with with just a couple splashes for uh, for kind of the game plan I'm going with. Why don't you run us through when you're going to create a roster? What are some of the first steps you take? Yeah, uh, so obviously i I got to figure out what I want to play, what affiliation, or if I want to run dual affiliation. Um the hardest thing for me with this game, because I own all the toys, is I want to play with everything. Um, but I kind of, when I'm building something for a sort of a more casual league like this, I tend to lean into something I'm more comfortable with. Uh, not necessarily because I feel like I'm going to do better with something I'm comfortable with, but because I can maybe pay less attention to what I'm playing and help my opponent, who might be a newer player because we have a lot of those right now, um, help them enjoy the game more and help them kind of learn the game more. Uh, and that's something that I have gotten to experience a few times now playing this team um, because we're recording this a little bit late. And it's it's nice because Spider-Foes are a team that really keep you engaged because they have a lot of like reactive things that they can do. Uh, but I've played them enough now that like, I don't even think about it. I'm just like, it's there and I know when it's going to go off. Yeah. There, there's a comfort <laughs> to playing something, you know, forwards and backwards or healthy and injured in this case, where you can be so comfortable in what your team is doing that you can focus on helping your opponent through their steps and kind of learning what they have as well. So in that case, why don't you run me through what 10 characters you're going to bring? Right. So uh, my leader, my one leader and only leader, is Dr. Norman Osborne, Green Goblin himself, uh, in the classic uh, Spider-Man style, uh, not the green Power Ranger costume he is more recently seen with. <laughs> uh, I have Dr. Octopus, 
uh, Craven the Hunter, Lizard, Mysterio, and Baron Mordo, rounding out my threes. Uh, I have Carnage and Venom as two other twos, or sorry, uh, two other fours, and then my two twos are Bullseye and Nebula. Uh, so I've got a couple splash characters in there, uh, Mordo, Bullseye, and Nebula. Uh, everyone else is affiliated, and I believe I have all of the affiliated characters that are released currently for this team, except for Kingpin, because I don't really think he fits under Green Goblin's leadership necessarily. No, it sounds like you went... You're choosing violence in this list, right, Nick? You're, you've, you, I have chosen I think, violence. I think it's really interesting <laughs> when you draft lists that your primary focus is what... You're talking about what threat they are, and I like that. The complete opposite of how he did mine, um, but the ability to play at every point level and play it effectively. You've brought Nebula here if you need a splash to who is Killy. With her full rerolls and forcing the opponent to make a reroll with the Oscorp leadership, that is going to be very effective. And I love Mordo there to add the extra dice. And I think that this is going to be a really hard-hitting roster you've drafted. But to get into it a little more, see a little more clearer, what tactics cards are you going to be playing? Uh, So for my tactics cards, I am bringing Sinister Traps as my only affiliated card. Uh, My two uh, restricted cards are Bitter Rivals and Med Pack. And then I've got Carnage Rules, Indomitable, Lethal Protector, Monkey Brain as Lizard Home, Sacrifice, Well-Laid Plans, and The Grand Illusion. Awesome. Awesome, awesome, awesome. What are some of the combos or some things that you're going to be looking to use more than others out of those? Uh, so if I'm playing on anything that is a sort of a, one of the three-point crises, uh, either an E or a C, I and I have Lizard, I'm usually bringing Monkey Brain uh, because getting the area to any size push on one of those mission or one of those maps is very good um it's it's good on on the two point secures as well like Marefisk and terrigen clouds uh but what i really wanted to do when i built this list is play grand illusion and bitter rivals i didn't think about um, it you're almost double that, that's on it. yeah and like it's a lot of power but i feel like i can get there with some of the things that i'm bringing character wise um and not only the, the, the combo there, but Carnage is a model I haven't played with really since Doom Prophecy became an Asgard card. Um, and I think that's probably true for a lot of people that have played Carnage. I really want to see how he can do against Grunts. Uh, Paint the Town Red, if you deal damn or if you KO or Day as a character, he can pay two power, make a short advance, heal everything, and make another uh, Symbiote Tendril attack. Uh... It's too power for that superpower, and he's getting a power in the power phase as long as he's not poisoned. Grunts have two health. Uh, Carnage eats grunts every time he hits them. Um, so I don't care if it's a shield grunt. I don't care if it's a, a hand ninja. Carnage is going to eat you. Yeah, I think that's, uh, <laughs> that's a very good point, and I think you're probably going to see more Carnage on the table with the ability to do that. The ability for him to heal by killing those very easy targets I think may bring him more to the forefront than he's been, to your point, since Doom Prophecy has been switched to Asgard and all you've got's been banned. Um, I know you're a big proponent of Bitter Rivals. Why don't you run us through why you chose that over any of the other restricted cards? Uh, So I brought Bitter Rivals because I'm generally going to be five wide, regardless of what threat level we're playing at, and I like... 
I like to brawl. Spider foes like to brawl. That we we like to roll dice and we like to take hits and we like to hit back. And Bitter Rivals lets me do that better than you. Um, it's a restricted card, and I think it's it's seeing less play now because it's restricted, um, which is probably a good thing because it was kind of everywhere when it wasn't. Um, but I know a lot of people aren't playing it now because it almost feels like too much as a restricted card uh too much meaning it takes up that valuable spot for brace or one of the healing cards um i i i just it's it's great rolling the the uh or having them roll one less die along with oscorp weaponry when i'm attacking them i can just melt people and uh, that's what i want to do i know you've had great success using it against me you're very good at when you have priority playing it on a character you can easily daze well, guess what? Now they're stuck there with bitter rivals on them, and if I want to stay engaged in this fight, then the rest of my characters are going to suffer for the entire round. Um, so you've definitely had great success with it. I understand why it's here. Well-laid plans, obviously, another great card. Lethal Protector is one I've had so much fun playing with Venom. He was like a staple in my Web Warriors, and honestly, if I didn't see a long-range energy attacker on the other side of the table, he almost made every game I played. Uh, fun fact, for those you do not know, Lethal Protector says allied character. Venom is allied with himself, so you can Lethal Protector yourself when it's they're targeting Venom in the same way that you can Heroes for Hire yourself with Danny and Luke Cage. So that's a fun little bit of tech that some people get caught out on, so keep that in mind when you see Lethal Protector across the table, or you're going to play it in the future. It's a, a very fun card that I enjoy. Yeah, Lethal Protector is great. Venom's a character that I haven't played a whole ton of, and that's probably just like the cardinal sin of being a Spider Foes player. Um, I got into the game when or I was playing Defenders when I got into the game, and Venom was a character that was just not on my radar. Uh, and Drop Off had already been banned, so he was kind of lesser talked about. Um, I know he was still good, like in Old Avengers under Steve, and obviously he's still great under Steve's leadership. Who doesn't like? the one less uh power for any of your superpowers um but i i definitely intended to play venom a bit more when i built this because he's just a character i need some more experience with i think yeah absolutely so i think we've seen that you've chosen violence your tactics cards and your characters certainly say that why don't you run us through what crisis you're looking to play let's start with let's start with your extracts yeah so for extracts i've got uh the struggle for the cube continues uh spider infected and Fear Grips, uh, Hammers, so 17, 17, and 18 for those. Um, Cubes and Spider Infected, uh, well, Cubes and Hammers, let's say, would be my two preferred extracts uh, here, but I really did want to leverage well-laid plans, which is why I don't have have one of the three-wide or uh, flip extracts, um, because, well, like, well-laid plans is good on those if you don't have the objective, but... I'm trying to maximize the use of well-laid plans, so the more people you have holding objectives, the better. Yeah, I'm kind of... It's cubes there specifically so you can have your opponent taking damage, making it easier for you to hurt them. Is that kind of the idea with cubes? Um, Cubes is there. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's good. Like, I, I like the attrition game. Um, I don't necessarily like having cubes on my people, but, like, Lizard doesn't care if he's holding a cube. 
Carnage and Venom both have ways to heal themselves, so they don't necessarily care if they're holding a cube. Uh, Mysterio actually likes to hold a cube, in my experience. Uh, he has six health, so he's a little bit tankier. Obviously, he's got his mystic uh, defensive tech, which makes uh, attacking him a little bit more annoying, especially if he's got a cube and you don't. Um, and I really want to keep him fueled up to use tricks and traps as frequently as possible, because that is how you maximize Mysterio's output in a game. Yeah, the, the the cube the cube certainly gets you there with the taking the damage gains of power. Uh, hammer is obviously an attrition team who doesn't like a hammer, right? We've said that over and over. I'm a little surprised to see Spider Infected. Are you not concerned with the ability of your opponent being able to potentially move you? Not really. Um, if if Spider Infected's on the table, I'm probably not bringing my short movers. So so uh, uh, Mysterio is not coming. Everyone else in this list is either a medium or long mover. Nebula can't pick up a spider, so she's probably just there to hunt down somebody that has one. Uh, Craven, if he gets moved around by the spider, he's still relatively mobile between his spear thrust and his kukri strike. Um, Venom, yeah, he's kind of slow, I guess. Maybe I don't bring him on spider infected. Carnage is fine. Doc Ock is fine. Goblin is fine. He has a hit and run. Yeah, and real quick, I'll run us through what Wellblade Plans is. I know we've been talking a lot about that a lot in case the listener doesn't know. So that is an unaffiliated active card. You have to have Green Goblin and Dr. Octopus on the table, and they both can spend three power. When you do that, you roll five dice for every enemy character holding an objective token, and the enemy does suffer a point of damage for every crit wild you roll. If that character is damaged, they drop all objective tokens they're holding, and then the player playing this card chooses the order in which the enemy characters are affected so you can use this in a number of ways and i like that you've brought multiple extracts to the game here you can play it late end game to deny the points if you have priority you can play it to pick them up and run away it's a really great card and you're really good at finding situations that this card can be played well in and it's important to note too that it while it is an active card it doesn't have to be green goblin or dr ox activation it just has to be your player turn I'll, I'll talk about Mordo a little bit other, uh, something else that I wanted to talk about with him. Um, so Mordo's, uh, his superpower, uh, what is it called? Soul Barb. Choose an enemy character within three uh, for two power with one of the more following special conditions. Hex, Incinerate, Poison, or Slow. Uh, one of these special conditions splashes out to every enemy character within two. Uh, Goblin incinerates and poisons. Uh, so that's another really nice little thing Mordo can do um, that your opponent might might not be expecting uh, but I'm mainly taking him for his extra damage or his extra dice because obviously Lizard has healing factor he doesn't care if he takes the damage from it and a six die tail whip is almost guaranteed to push somebody uh, Venom doesn't care if he gets the extra dice because he can heal it back with uh, his spender Carnage again also doesn't care if he gets extra dice because he can heal it back uh, and Carnage also has his uh, sadistic glee, so he can add four extra dice if he wants between himself and Mordo. Yeah, so if you have to burn down a Hulk or a She-Hulk or any anyone who's kind of reducing damage, <laughs> Carnage boosted by himself and Mordo is probably going to be a good way to do it. And I like the fact that you brought the incinerates there. You know, with a leadership that forces defensive rerolls on your opponent, when they're rolling less dice, you're really going to be pushing some damage through. Yeah. Yeah, and that's the experience I've had with him so far. Like, I've almost never used him for his range 4 attack or his spender. I'm almost always activating him early, uh, either 
first if the crisis uh, dictates it, or second, activating him, getting two power, and moving up to the center where he can pass power to whoever my first attacker is for that round. Absolutely. So we know what extra extra playing, Nick. Why don't you run us through what secures you think the way are that these spider foes are going to excel at? Uh, so my secures, uh, I have Infinity Formula Goes Missing at 17 threat, Intrusions Open Over the City uh, at 19 threat, and Superpowered Scoundrels at 20. Okay, kind of a couple of interesting things there. Like Infinity Formula, I take it you might have the same mindset I do. More power, more better. And the B leads to fights, which is obviously what you're looking to do. Uh, intrusions makes a lot of sense, right? Your attrition-based team, the ability to hop through those portals and get to double attack range or get where you need to kind of back up or shore up different flanks there. That makes sense. I am surprised to see Scoundrels. Why are you running a crisis that allows your opponent to have cover, Nick? Uh, because my leadership says I don't care if you have cover. It certainly does. Why don't you run us through Why don't you run us through the timing of that? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so Oscorp Weaponry uh, is Green Goblin's leadership. It says once per turn, uh, when attacking, you can have your opponent reroll one of their defense dice. And the way the timing works for this is your opponent will modify their dice before you modify their dice. So they may change one of their defense dice to a cover or a block, and then you can Oscorp Weaponry that die. And then they can reroll it. They might get a block still, but if they don't, then it doesn't matter if they have cover. Uh, Bullseye also doesn't care if you have cover, so he's even better on that that particular secure. Um, I know a lot of people like Mutant Madmen for Spider Foes, uh, and maybe in place of Spider Infected, or uh, excuse me, in place of Superpowered Scoundrels. Um, I don't dislike Mutant Madmen, but Mysterio is not great on Mutant Madmen. Mordo is not great on Mutant Madmen, uh, and superpowered scoundrels just seem like the better call um obviously two physical defense on mordo not great but he's got four energy and four mystic so with cover against those attacks he's pretty good um giving mysterio cover is pretty good yeah it makes a lot of sense and to kind of circle back to the shape um i'm always a big proponent of looking at the shapes of the crisis scoundrels is an f which is basically just a b with the center point so you're still encouraging those fights because they're a little closer than they would be normally. And the fact that the timing works out for the leadership to basically turn off that cover, I think you might catch a couple people out with that. They're going to feel a little safer on their B. And, you know, Goblin flying up, throwing some pumpkin bobs turn one, getting some damage in. And, you know, you do have traps too, so maybe you trap that that one of their points they move to it take a couple damage move back to it their second action thinking they're safe in cover you might get some turn one dazes off so at first glance it may not make a lot of sense but you know talking it through makes a lot of sense so we know what crisis you're playing we know what cards you're bringing we know what characters you're bringing we know kind of your focus is there anything you don't want to see your opponent playing for this league honestly not really um i think i'm 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 more doing this one for fun anyway, so whatever people bring is fine. Uh, I don't really want to play against Brotherhood, and I don't really want to play against Black Order, but I will. Uh, I Brotherhood's just so good right now, um, and Black Order is obviously just a problem for anyone if the Black Order player knows how to play Black Order. So those aren't ideal. Um, I feel like I have pretty good game everywhere else. Uh, I would love to play against something like that I haven't seen in a while, um, A-Force or 
maybe something like uh, X-Men, because it's been a very long time since I played against X-Men, so I'm hoping there are p- going to be people playing that soon. Yeah, I think your level of comfort speaks to the fact that you're so comfortable with the Spider-Foes, the fact that you know what they can do, and that you can get to a game, have some learning moments, figure out your opponent's roster with the comfort of knowing what your capabilities are. And, you know, if you're going to go against a Brotherhood, the big thing we're seeing right now locally is the Juggernaut Magneto play. And you certainly have a way to burn a Juggernaut down with the defensive reroll, with the incinerates, with the boosted dice, Goblin's ability to make his attacks energy. And once you get that helmet off him, which his helmet comes off when he goes injured, then guess what you have? You have a Baron Mortal with Mystic attacks to burn him down. So... I think you might have some success against Brotherhood, and yeah, Black Order is just a grind for everybody right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I do want to give a, a, a shout-out to Omnis, who had me on his most recent episode. Uh, I think it'll, well, it'll be two weeks ago, probably by the time this episode comes out. So uh, you guys will hear me on there if you haven't checked that out already. Um, but yeah, that was that was a good time. I'm I'm excited to see what this list does though. Uh, we talked about Spider Foes a little over there on his podcast too, and uh, they're fun. They're very fun. Yeah, I think that was kind of the mindset for both of us to make. When it's a four week league, you kind of have the ability to make a fun list and not be stuck on it. Either with a lot of commitment, right? You're not in a tournament. You're not in a twelve week league. We can play something, and if it doesn't work out, guess what? You got four games and it had some fun. So this kind of gives us the chance to see what these can do. Yeah, definitely. Uh, it'll be fun. It's definitely uh, get to play some with some new people this time around. So, do we have anything else today? I don't think so. Well, all right. Well, thanks for listening, everyone. If you'd like to interact with us, where can people find you? Yeah, you guys can find me on all of the major MCP discords. I'm on there as in Cariel, I N C A R A E L. And make sure you join our Facebook page, Versatile Strategy. In the future, that is where we're going to have all the voting for our roster affiliations, what we decide to play. So make sure you hop on over there. If you're interested in choosing what Nick or I play alternating into the next events, that will be where that is happening. Nick, where can people find you? Yeah, so I'm on all the MCP discords as well as Waffle. I also have a painting Facebook if you're interested in checking some of that out. Uh, that's Bladed Brush Studios on Facebook. Got a lot of MCP stuff up on there as well. Da-na-na-na-na-na. <laughs> 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 <laughs>